5, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able. Matthew chapter 5, and let's look at verses 13 through 16. The Word of God says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has, have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may be able to see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for what we're going to hear this evening and for what the Word says. And I pray that you just give us a little bit more perspective on our place in the world and how we can affect the world for good and fulfill your plan in these dark days. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach a simple Bible study tonight called Salt, Light, and Love. I just want to look at those three things tonight. Salt, Light, and Love. And this has to do with our place in the world. You know, when I first got saved, I was so convinced that when I died, I would go to heaven because I got saved. Amen? And it was like a thousand pounds got lifted off my chest, and I had real peace with God for the first time in my life. And in many ways, that part of my life was absolutely wonderful. It was like, I get to go to heaven. I get to go to a place with no sorrow, no suffering. And the more I learned about it, the more amazing it was. And I just was so unbelievably pleased that God would love me, and He would save me, and and that was part of my internal thinking. And then on the outside, though, my life was not very pleasant at the time. I was a 16-year-old. Uh, we didn't grow up in a Christian family. Had 16-year-old problems. Um, a lot of things to work through. And I ended up getting mad at God for a short time. I don't know if it was days or weeks. But I remember being so upset, and I remember just laying in my bed and crying and saying, God, you, you saved me, you promised to take me to heaven someday, why would you leave me here to suffer? And I was really upset by it. Why would you leave me here? Why can't I just go to heaven now? And if, you, if you're a Christian who's ever truly been through suffering, I'm not talking about you have a hangnail. I'm not talking about, you know, you, your favorite TV program was, got moved or your, your DVR didn't record it. I'm talking about you were in the midst of suffering. You've probably had similar thoughts where it's like, why, why are you leaving me here? Why can't I just go to heaven now? And it's almost like I remember telling God, it's like, a cruel, it's like a cruel trick for you to take me someday, but not now. 
And as I said, I don't know if that was weeks or days, but it was real. And God gave me some insight. The more I, thankfully, I didn't get mad at him and turn from him. I ran to him. And that's a good rule of thumb. When you get upset at God, you don't understand something, don't shake your fist at him and run from him. Run to him. Because eventually you'll get some insight that straightens the situation out. And I remember God teaching me, I left you there so you could be my representative. I left you there so other people could get saved too. Imagine if everybody got saved and they left the earth, who would be here to tell the next person? Well, that's not a very good plan. It was almost like God had it right the first time. Imagine if every time we got saved, somebody went to heaven and there would be no one left here to, to model Christianity before them, to live out the Bible. And we are the living representatives of God. Never read the Bible, but they'll read you and they'll see you. And that's really about the same time where I got convinced to become a soul winner is because that's why God left me here. God didn't leave me here just to go to amusement parks and have a good time and enjoy beautiful days, although those, that's part of being here, that's part of living. But God left me here for him and for his kingdom. And so as a committed Christian, that thinking penetrates every area of our lives and everything we do. Work's important. Being wise is important. Family's important. All of these responsibilities of life have their place. But ultimately, the only reason that you and I are still here on this planet is for God's sake and for the sake of Christ. And if we miss that, we miss everything. Oftentimes when I'm in counseling and someone's life has fallen apart and it just seems like there's so many things to do that they don't know where to start. There's so many things broken, they don't know what to fix. It's almost like a paralysis of, of just being buried under shame and failure. And I always remind people, and this is good instruction for us too, before our lives fall apart, that we each have one responsibility today. We have a lot of things to do, but we only have one priority. And that one priority is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you can kill yourself trying to figure out shelter, or you can put him first and he figures out the shelter. You can kill yourself trying to get enough money for clothes and food, or you can put him first and he'll help you take care of that. My one responsibility every day of my life is to get up and put Jesus first. And if I do that, no matter what else I fail at, no matter what on my to-do list doesn't get done, no matter what bill is waiting there not knowing how to be paid, if I can just put him first, everything else seems to fall into place. That's really good instruction for all of us. And that's introductory to what I'm talking about this evening, 
is that why are we still here? Well, we're here to put him first. And when we put him first, when we understand that as committed Christians, we are living this life ultimately for him, we find that we have three purposes in this world. Or as we live for for Christ, we're going to accomplish three things. We actually see in three illustrations that I'm going to give you in our text. We saw the salt, we saw the light, and in another text I'm going to show you the love. And I believe that as we live for Christ here today and as we put him first, you're going to find out that you become salt and you become light and you become love. And those are the things that can really change the world. Those are the things that are going to help us in all the midst of this chaos. It's going to protect us, going to protect our families. It's going to protect in some ways the culture uh, and ultimately be able to see people saved. So let me show you these few things here and then we'll go to our prayer time. Look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor or its flavor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. So in Bible times, salt had several uses. As a matter of fact, in some points of human history, salt was traded as money. (laughs) It'd be good for your heart. It wouldn't be good for your taste buds. Have you ever tried to eat something with no salt in it? I mean, like a piece of a piece of meat that has no flavor, no 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 seasoning on it at all. Uh, and a lot of the things we eat are have so much salt in them because they're processed with salt. Uh, but salt is a wonderful thing, and it's very useful. Salt provides flavor for food. Salt preserves uh, food. Back before refrigeration was so easily accessible, how did people on boats have meat to eat other than fish? How did people during the Old West times when America was moving west, how did they take care of their meat after they killed uh, a deer or an elk? How did they, they preserve that? Well, they would salt cure it, and the salt would actually stave off corruption, And then when the salt was so bad, and and salt has qualities, I personally prefer natural salt over chemically made salt. I think peak Himalayan salt is a gift from the Lord. I think real sea salt, Celtic sea salt uh, is a brand, but real sea salt where they have little pools and they rake seawater into them and let the sun dry them out and they gather up that salt that salt's just different than the stuff that they make in the lab uh, and better for you too. But what happens if the quality of salt was bad or after it was used and, and it had lost a lot of its flavor, what would they do with it? They would actually throw it onto the walkways. Remember back then they didn't have a lot of concrete and asphalt. They would wear down walkways and over time those walkways would get hardened in the dirt. But still, when the water uh, would come and in things, it would sometimes get muddy. They would throw out that old salt onto the walkways to pack it down harder to make it a nicer walkway as they went. So you see the illustration of Christ. If you lose your flavor, 
then you're just going to be like that salt that gets thrown out in the walkways and you'll spend the rest of your life getting trodden under the foot of men. And the, the lesson here for Christian is you're not going to change the world by losing your flavor. Christians can never help the world by acting less Christian. Churches can't save the lost by losing their savor and by looking less like salt, tasting less like salt. Uh, the salt has a bold flavor, and we are called to be the salt of the earth that adds flavor and preserves against corruption. If we lose the boldness to stand up for what's right, we'll be useful as salt that has no flavor. And Christianity in this, in this day and age has lost its power. American Christianity as a whole, modern mainstream Christianity, is almost treated like a meme or a trope by today's elites. You know why? Lost its flavor. And they're just getting trodden under the foot of men. Salt enhances intrinsic flavors. This is something you may not know. Uh, Chef John would probably know it and some others. But salt does not have a particular flavor on its own in the culinary world. Salt has the unique ability to magnify the flavors of whatever it's put on. Now, if you add pepper to something, pepper has a flavor. When you add pepper, you're actually changing the profile of something to add that smoky spiciness of a black pepper. But when you add salt, you're not adding new flavor. You're actually, the salt simply magnifies the flavors that are already there. Thank you. Apple spying, on, Apple spying on me again. Siri. They listen to my sermons, so they'll have more to throw me in Siri. jail with one of these days. Yeah, he wants, I didn't get your recipe. What was that? So as salt, we are supposed to magnify Christ by living like him. Just as you put salt on meat and it tastes more like meat, you put salt on a tomato and it tastes more like tomato. Do you know you can put salt on watermelon and it tastes more like watermelon? You can put salt on fruit and it makes the fruit taste better. Because it just magnifies whatever's there. And that's why they dump it into everything in such high quantities that it causes a lot of people trouble. Uh, I ate something, I, I record all my food, and I ate something the other day that I don't usually eat, and I recorded it, and it gave me an alert. This, this one serving of one little thing was over half of my daily allotted sodium. For the day, and it was like in the morning. We don't even know all of, all of what's hidden. But why do they throw it in there? Because it's, it's useful in some ways. But we, as the salt of the earth, we are supposed to magnify Christ in us. We are supposed to magnify Christ in the world. Uh, Christ is all throughout. You can see God all throughout creation. And as we live in the world, 
Christ and God are magnified. God is in every part of our being to the point of how He made man and and human nature and, and all of our interactions and in creation from a cellular level all the way to the astronomical scale. God is in everything, but He's often not seen because that flavor's not brought out. But if you put a Christian into the mix, He can magnify Christ. And now Christ comes to the surface. As a preacher, that's what I often do. Someone's struggling and they have a perspective about what's happening. And I talked to someone just the other day and they're talking about this situation that was terrible. And I said, let me offer you another perspective. And I said, maybe instead of what you described, maybe this is happening and this is how God wants to use it in your life. And they were like, wow, I hadn't. I hadn't thought of it that way and begin to weep and cry because it was a new perspective. And we as Christians get to bring Christ, Christ out of everything. But what if the salt has lost its savor? That's good for nothing. Salt preserves from corruption. As salt, we preserve the culture through righteousness. As the world is looking to change and get more and more foolish and wicked, Christians who say, no, we're not going that way. We're not going that direction. No, that's not true. Let me explain why it's not true. Christians hold the line. This is what's been so so devastating to American culture over the last 30 years is the church has given up foundational truths. When churches said, oh, no, homosexuality is okay. When churches say, oh, no, you can be any gender you want. When churches say there's nothing wrong with divorce. When churches say there's nothing wrong with immorality. When churches say, ah, you can cuss and swear, God doesn't care. When the church loses its savor then corruption begins to breed throughout the entire culture. And that's why mainstream Christianity is so weak today because they've, they don't stand up and stand against anything. We need to stand for what's right and stand against what's wrong. We see also in this passage of Scripture not just the salt, but we see the light. Light is bold. Right now it's getting dark. It's going to be dark for some hours. And tomorrow morning the sun's going to boldly rise in the sky, chasing away the darkness. You know that's what light does? It chases away the darkness. You walk into a dark room and you flip on the light and the darkness runs away. And we are called to be the light. We're called to be that that brightness. God is light and God shines through us. Biblically speaking, the Bible likens Jesus Christ, the Son, S-O-N, of righteousness to the Son, S-U-N. And in one portion of Scripture, Christ is called the capital S-U-N of righteousness. That's because He is that Son. He is that bright and shining light 
that no one can deny. And you can close your eyes and try to hide from it, but you still feel the heat. He is the undeniable Son of Righteousness. And just because you can't see Him now does not mean He's not coming back in the morning. Psalm 19 reminds us that the sun every day rises like a bridegroom coming for his bride. And every day the sun rises is a visible representation that Jesus Christ is coming again. He's the sun. But you know, the moon doesn't have any light of its own. But every night you see the moon. How can you see the moon? Because the moon reflects the light of the sun. And that's what we are. We don't have that light of our own. We don't have the brightness of God in our own selves. But, boy, we get saved and we become that light and we spend the rest of our earthly lives reflecting the light of the Son of Righteousness to the world. And they don't always like it, do they? Do you know that criminals don't like the light? Do you know cockroaches don't like the light? We used to be in apartments in, in uh, Chicago, and I remember one time I, we walked into a new apartment. It was probably one of my first weekends in Chicago. We walk into a basement apartment, and they went, one of the kids went in to get the mom, and I got ready to sit down on the couch. And as I'm sitting down, the, the man I'm with, one of my mentors, grabbed my arm and pulled me up. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, he didn't want to say anything because they could hear he walked over to the corner of the couch and kicked it. And cockroaches went out from under the couch. There was a picture on the wall next to him, and he moved the picture over. There's cockroaches hiding behind the picture. And it did two things. Number one, it grossed me out. Because <laughs> it, was, it was pretty gross. And number two, it, I literally began to cry that that's what these precious children were growing up in. And the parents didn't have any other options. See, cockroaches don't like the light. Thieves don't like the light. And don't be surprised if when we are showing the light of, the, of Christ that some people don't like it. Do you know who doesn't like the light? People that are doing wrong. Do you ever walk into a room and turn on the light and somebody's like, Hey, hey, what are you doing? And they're all like, oh, you know, like they were doing something wrong. Sometimes if, when we shine the light of Christ through our words or our actions or how we behave, they're like, hey, hey, what are, what are you doing? That's, oh, they're not used to the light, and they don't like the light. Uh, Ephesians says this, But all things that are reproved are made manifest or made known by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So when we shine as the light of the world, we are making known the sins of the people around us, and they don't always like that. But we're still called to be light. Matter of fact, Colossians called us the children of light. Well, you see here in verse 14, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that, that they may, what's the next word? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is heaven. Notice the distinction here. Salt is something you taste. 
Light is something you see. Love is something you feel. And these are the different ways that righteous living hits the world around us. When someone has an interaction with us, have you ever heard the phrase, we want to leave a good taste in their mouth? It's salt. Salt brings out those, those natural flavors. You want to you interact with people in such a way that's true and that's right, but it leaves a good taste in their mouth. You never want to be that one. It's like, oh, I don't want to go to that church because so-and-so is such a hypocrite. You don't want to be that one. Now, there's a lot wrong with that. They'll go to a bar full of hypocrites, but they won't go to a church where there's one. Don't use the hypocrite line with me. It's, it's foolishness. Having said that, you don't be the one that they point to. You, know, you don't be the one that rips them off. When I was in business as a Christian young man, uh, I tried to be a good Christian while I was in business. And I knew other men that they were Christian, but when they were at work, they weren't acting very Christian I had one Christian man rip me off for thousands of dollars, actually more than one. But, um, and he said, oh, well, this is business. I said, you're a deacon in your church. Yeah, well, that's, that's church. This is business. No, stealing is stealing whether you're at church or not. <laughs> right? Lying's lying whether you're at church or not. And so being the salt is that, ex- that, that experience, that taste. Being light is that visual. What does your life look like when people see it? What what do they see in the countenance? What do they see in in our uh, attire? What do they see in the way that we treat other people? What do they see in our families and our marriages? What do people see? We're supposed to be the light. And then lastly, let me show you this one. We're supposed to be the love. Ephesians chapter 4, if you look there. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in him in all things which is the head, even Christ. We are called to speak the truth in love. Amen. The book of Proverbs talks about by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Truth is like a hammer. You can hurt people with it. And some Christians make the mistake of using truth as a hammer to hurt people rather than try to help them. But it's mercy and truth that changes the heart. And we need to speak the truth, but in love. And the world needs the truth today more than it ever has before. You know, Christians cannot hide in the closet and make a difference in the world. We used to call these chameleon Christians. You ever seen a chameleon? Whatever it's on, it changes to that color. Oh, if they're in a crowd of Christians, they can talk like a Christian, but if they're in a crowd of heathens, man, they become a heathen. That kind of, that kind of Christian doesn't change anybody. That kind of Christian doesn't 
love people enough to tell them the truth. We live in a world that has changed the definition of love to be, well, if you love me, you won't say anything that hurts me. I hope you don't parent that way. Because as a parent, you, you tell them things they need to hear because you love them. As a parent, you set boundaries and you discipline when they're crossed and, and teach them the law of consequences because you love them. People say, well, God's a God of love. He would never know because he is a God of love. He would. We never help people by lying to them. Lovingly telling people the truth is the only way to help them. I was talking to a man yesterday, and this, this trans situation came up. And by the way, they're forcing it down our throats every single day. Yep. You know yep. why? You get what you emphasize. You get what you emphasize, just like they used to do. It used to be just a few years ago with homosexuality, 2 to 3% of Americans claimed to be homosexual, and that number was probably inflated, but we heard about it every single day, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Why? Because you get what you emphasize. And then that turned into trans, and a smaller percentage of, of homosexuals claimed to be trans, but we hear about it every day. Every day, every day, every day. You know why? I personally believe because Satan and people that are evil are going after the children. Children are adopting this trans craze like crazy, and they're saying up to 10% of young people in some studies are grasping onto this trans movement. Why? Because it's incentivized. You can immediately become popular. You immediately become protected. You immediately uh, get treated differently. You immediately can't do anything wrong. Why in, the world, why in the world wouldn't more kids dive into that, especially young kids who don't understand? I don't think eight-year-olds should be talked about sex at all. Ten-year-olds, no. eleven-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. But, but what's the problem? It's, it's in our face every day, all day. And so this came up yesterday. I was talking to a man, and he said, yeah, at, at my daughter's school, daughter goes to public school, at my daughter's school, there's a lizard. I said, excuse me? They said, there's a boy who identifies as a lizard, and everybody treats him like a lizard. The kids treat him like a lizard. He comes to school wearing a lizard costume like you would wear for Halloween. And everybody treats him like a lizard. That same day, I talked to a man, and it, the, the same thing came up. This is on everybody's minds because it's, it's pushed on us so much. And the idea of the litter boxes in Rhode Island schools came up, which we talked about, and some people thought it was, it was crazy. Or it was a joke, but literally they're putting human litter boxes in some public schools because some children, teenagers even, are identifying as cats. And this came up, and the, the, the guy said, I know it's true. He said, I've got a friend who's a janitor, 
And he said, when they put the litter boxes in, his friend said, I'm not cleaning the litter box. He said, there's no way I'm climbing through a litter box and cleaning out human feces for people that think they're cats. And the school board said, okay, you don't have to clean out the litter box. It's not in your contract. They hired somebody else who was willing to clean out the litter box. But he said, in this school, they have two, two people that identify as cats. They literally play with cat tools during cat toys during class. The teachers have to address them as cats and they can get up and roam around the halls at any time because cats often just get up and walk around. That was yesterday. Today I was talking to a man in a, in a whole other town and he said, I know a principal that in his school, there's a young boy that identifies as a squirrel. And the boy doesn't have to go out at recess, but the principal was lamenting the fact that they have to have a guidance counselor and another teacher take this boy out to recess during the times when other people are in class to gather nuts from the schoolyard and they can't do it at recess because squirrels don't play with humans. Yep. Getting that crazy. Yep. I'm not surprised. Folks, I'm telling you, it's insanity. Right. And someone would look at that and say, oh, that's love. No, we do that because we love them. But it's the same mentality that says, well, we're not going to get people off drugs because they love to shoot up heroin, so we're going to let them live on the street. Matter of fact, we're going to buy you your clean needles. We're going to offer you uh, free drugs. We're going to allow you to live in tent cities right across the street from, from elementary schools. We're going to allow you, I don't mean to be crude, but we're going to allow you to defecate on our public sidewalks because we love you. Yeah, it's happening. And somebody has to say lovingly, kindly, no, sir. No. No. No, you're not a cat. You're not a squirrel. You're not a lizard. It's not good to be fat. It's not good to be on drugs. It's not good to live in the street. You can't go to the bathroom on the sidewalk outside my house. No, sir. No. And we're going to be the salt, and we're going to be the light, and we're going to speak the truth in love. That's what Christians have always done. And the reason we're in a mess today is because main, mainstream Christianity said, we're not going to taste like salt, we're going to hide our light under a bushel, and we're going to love you by rubber stamping whatever you want to do. And how's that working out for the world? It's more of a mess. It's not very good, is it? That's right. Well, this is our place. And that seems like a dark message. But in reality, it's a message of light because only when you identify the problem can you change it. And we can change it. There are people out there that will get saved. There are families that don't know what to do. There are people that are, are drowning and, and just are looking for 
a way out. They're looking for some direction. They're scared to death for their children. They're worried about the, the state of the country. They're concerned about their own soul. And if we get paralyzed by everything that's going on around us, we'll miss out on helping those. So we be the salt. We be the light. We speak the truth in love. And we leave the rest up to God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, the truth that we've heard this evening. We pray that you'd help us to, to really understand what's going on. My heart breaks for all the, the sadness. People think they're going to find happiness in saying that they're this or that. It's so sad. The people in their lives supposed to be helping them are not helping them. The Christians that are supposed to be pointing them to Christ are, are not. And Lord, you're the only hope for our nation. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would give us great strength. You'd give us boldness. It's hard. It's hard sometimes to, to be the salt. It's hard to be the light. It's hard sometimes to say something even lovingly. Because darkness doesn't like the light. And sinners don't like to be told the truth no matter how nice you say it. Sometimes. But Lord, I pray that you'd give us wisdom and strength to be the salt, the light, the love that you meant for us to be in this world. In Jesus' name.